0: The How Is This Movie podcast is supported by listeners just like you. Go to patreon.com slash movie. There you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and help us maintain the goal of keeping this show fully independent and free of advertising. You will also gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else. Once again, that's patreon.com slash movie. And now for our featured presentation. Dad!
1: Dad! Dad! Out. It's important! Then wait. Count to 20. No, Dad, you listen. Junior! One, two, three,
2: four. In Greek. Enna, Theo, Thea. Tessida, Dente.
1: May he who illuminated this illuminate me. brought the sheriff.
2: That's just the man I want to see. Now, there were five or six of them I just came after me. You still got it? Well, yes, sir. It's right here.
1: I'm glad to see that. Because the rightful owner of this cross won't press charges if you give it back. He's got witnesses, five or six of them.
3: Hello, and welcome to this Patreon-exclusive episode of How Is This Movie. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for being a supporter of this show. Now, I said in previous episodes that the 1980s was amongst the busiest time ever for Steven Spielberg, and I meant it. Between 1984 and 1989, Spielberg barely had time to breathe. He directed three movies, The Color Purple in 1985, which on a $15 million budget made $142 million at the box office and was also nominated for 10 Oscars unfortunately didn't win one of them in 1987 he directed empire of the sun not technically the first movie to deal with world war ii that spielberg's directed you will recall that as a child he directed several eight millimeter films with his friends all taking place in world war ii and let's not forget about 1941 one of the rare missteps in Spielberg's career. But Empire of the Sun was the first serious film that took place during the events of World War II. The film starred John Malkovich and introduced audiences to a very young Christian Bale. The film was a modest success. Now, I say modest because on a $35 million budget, it took in $66 million. In 1989, he directed Always, once again working with Richard Dreyfuss. Always took in $74 million at the box office and is notable for being Audrey Hepburn's final on-screen performance. Now, I know what you must be thinking. Three films in a five-year period? That's not unheard of. But what we haven't even talked about were all the films that he worked on as a producer. They include, but are not limited to, Back to the Future, The Goonies, Young Sherlock Holmes, An American Tale, The Money Pit, Batteries Not Included, Inner Space, Three O'Clock High, directed by good friend of the show Phil Joano, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Land Before Time, Dad, and Back to the Future Part 2. Now, things weren't as insane for George Lucas... Now, this may come as a bit of surprise to some of you, but between 1977 and 1999, George Lucas didn't direct a single film. He did Star Wars in 77 and then did Star Wars Episode I, The Phantom Menace, in 1999. Most of his work during that time was on the producing side of things. And he did a little bit of writing as well. Between 1984 and 1989, George Lucas produced the following movies. Labyrinth, rest in peace Mr. Bowie, Howard the Duck, which I can assure you will get its own episode someday, Willow, that starred Warwick Davis, who also played the Ewok Wicket in Return of the Jedi, Tucker, the man in his dream, and the animated film The Land Before Time. But let's be honest, who are we kidding? Those were not the only movies that George Lucas produced in that time period. Now, some of you younger listeners may not remember that in 1984 and in 1985, two made-for-television movies set in the Star Wars universe aired on the ABC network. I'm, of course, talking about the Ewoks films, Caravan of Courage, An Ewok Adventure, and Ewoks, The Battle for Endor.
1: In a galaxy far, far away, a brother and sister search for their missing parents.
0: How are we going to find them? We will. Don't worry.
1: And fate leads them to the magical Ewoks. We help you. Now, a great adventure begins. It's an action-packed motion picture
3: featuring incredible special effects from the award-winning team of industrial light and magic. That's Mommy and Daddy.
1: Sometimes when you
3: search for the impossible, an unbelievable adventure unfolds.
4: I wish we had furry creatures like you where I came from.
3: Don't miss the Ewok Adventure. Now on Video Cassette from MGM UA Home Video. Now, what's interesting about these two films is six years prior to the release of Caravan of Courage, George Lucas had essentially licensed the rights to Star Wars for a television special released in 1978, known as the Star Wars Holiday Special.
1: Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. I'm turning back. I know your family's waiting. I know it's an important day. All right, we'll give it a try. I'll set short coordinates. I won't jump, far. I'll get you back there in time, pal. Trust me. Our only hope now is that I wasn't Imperial Garbage Scout, though. I'm going to lightspeed this spirit you'll be celebrating life day before you know it Stand by. To say goodbye, Martin, to and friends.
3: now this particular special was released during the period of time when variety shows were all the rage kind of like what's going on these days in television but I digress the Star Wars holiday special made a lot of money for the network that aired it but it only aired once because it's so unbelievably bad well it's not even that it's bad it just doesn't make any sense. Look, I'm just going to put it like this. If you were a kid in 1977 and you had just seen Star Wars in the theater, and then the following year you were told there was going to be a two-hour television special with all the returning characters from Star Wars, you better believe everybody was tuning in for that. Now, I dare each and every one of you that are listening to hit pause right now, go on YouTube, search the Star Wars Holiday Special, and attempt to get through the first ten minutes of it. Just the first ten minutes. Good luck. Lucas had zero involvement in the Star Wars Holiday Special. He hated it so much that he's gone on record saying that if it was up to him, he would go and find every single recording of this particular special and destroy it with a sledgehammer. Now, going back to the Ewoks films, Lucas was extremely hands-on. And I'm not necessarily sure that was a good thing either. Now, the Ewok films were theatrically released in Europe and were technically part of the Star Wars universe. Now, there was a time before Disney bought Lucasfilm that you could easily find bootleg copies of these movies on YouTube, but unfortunately, most of my recent searches in the past weekend have shown zero results. You can still find a trailer or two, but trust me, they need to be seen to be believed. Now, for Harrison Ford, between the two Indiana Jones films in 1984 and 1989, that period was relatively quiet. He only starred in three movies in that five-year period. The first of the three was Witness, released in 1985, in which Harrison Ford goes undercover in Amish country. The film was a modest success, taking in $68 million and garnering eight Oscar nominations, including two wins. Ford himself was nominated for Best Actor. Unfortunately, he didn't win. 1986, Ford starred in the film The Mosquito Coast. Now, this was a financial failure, taking in only $14 million, But it's notable for our story because one of the co-stars of the film was a very young River Phoenix. Harrison Ford would take 1987 off and then return in 1988's Working Girl. Now, this was a big success, taking in more than $102 million in the U.S. alone. The film co-starred Melanie Griffin and Sigourney Weaver. Now, shifting back to the Indiana Jones saga, Now Spielberg and Lucas had always agreed that there was going to be three movies. This was going to be a trilogy of films. But after the mixed reviews of Temple of Doom, Spielberg especially was determined to right the ship and bring the franchise back to its roots. Back to when it was fun. Immediately after the release of Temple of Doom, several people got to work on ideas for the next Indiana Jones film. Now, the first idea centered around a haunted castle, and a screenplay was written. However, the story was quickly rejected by Spielberg, citing that he you know, he'd already done a haunted story with Poltergeist, and didn't want to revisit that subject matter again. In late 1985, Lucas suggested that perhaps Indiana Jones should be searching for the Holy Grail. Again, another idea that Steven Spielberg shot down, because religious artifacts were 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 already explored in the first Indiana Jones film. I will give Lucas credit. He was persistent this time and really began negotiating with Spielberg about the idea of using the Holy Grail as the main plot device for the next film. Lucas explained that the Grail would offer immortality to all that drank from it. Reluctantly, Spielberg greenlit this idea, and Gremlins and Goonies writer Christopher Columbus... Yes, the same Chris Columbus that would go on to direct Home Alone was brought on to write the first script. Now, the first draft of the Chris Columbus screenplay included The Haunted Mansion, but only as an opening scene in which Indiana Jones fights a ghost, before eventually ending up in an African country where they discover a lost paradise that offers immortality to all that eat the fruits of the lost paradise. Now, this story had all kinds of craziness in it, including Indiana Jones finding a 200-year-old pygmy man, Nazis with mechanical arms, a villain known as the Monkey King. The story even had Indiana Jones die, only to be resurrected by the Monkey King. Now, can you guess what the title of this movie was going to be called? You're right. Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. Chris Columbus would write a few more drafts of the story that would include Indiana Jones and another character playing chess with real-life people that were disintegrated if they were taken off the board. Now, I want to emphasize that this movie almost happened, so much so that location scouting in Africa took place. Now eventually the entire idea was abandoned when it was determined that the film would not betray African tribesmen in a good light. Spielberg and Lucas had already caught a lot of flack for their portrayal of Indians in the Temple of Doom and in no way shape or form wanted to go through that again. It was at that point that Spielberg suggested to Lucas that they should introduce Indiana Jones's father to the story. This would give audiences a chance to better understand Indy's background. The Holy Grail, which was kind of written out of Chris Columbus's script, Would be reintroduced as a major plot device the two joneses would both be searching for the artifact independently and would find each other in the search between 1985 and 1989 several more writers were brought on board to hammer out the script with a finished working screenplay produced in early 1988. The search was on for the casting of Indiana Jones and what they were calling The Last Crusade. Now the big question on everyone's mind is who was going to play Indiana Jones's father? Now for Spielberg there was only one option, James Bond. If you recall in the first episode of this series, while on a beach in Hawaii, Spielberg and Lucas were discussing what they wanted to do next. Spielberg said that he wanted to make a film that took place in various locations around the world with big giant action set pieces. In a sense, he wanted to make his own James Bond film. Now when I say James Bond, of course, I'm talking about the original James Bond, Sean Connery. Welcome to the podcast, Sean Connery. Four years, I don't think I've ever discussed anything that that man's been involved in. Now, here's just a little bit of background on Sean Connery. He was born August 25th, 1930 in Edinburgh, Scotland. He did join the Royal Navy, but was discharged shortly after due to persistent ulcers. Now, early jobs for Sean Connery included being a milkman, a lifeguard, a construction laborer, a coffin polisher, and even a bodybuilder. By the early 1950s, he was living in London and found work at a local theater. He became quite intrigued with the theater lifestyle, and when he heard word of an open audition for a performance of South Pacific, he auditioned and got a small part in the production. That would start his acting career. Connery would appear in nine films in the 1950s. Now, most of these were small bit parts, extras, and walk-on roles. He did, however, appear as a deckhand in the 1958 film A Night to Remember, based on the sinking of the Titanic. In 1962, Sean Connery landed the role of a lifetime, a role that he will forever be linked to. The role, of course, was as 007 James Bond in 1962's Dr. No.
1: À la banque.
0: I need Compte. another 1000 I
1: admire your courage Miss
2: uh... Trench Sylvia Trench I admire your luck Mr
1: Bond James Bond
2: Mr Bond I suppose you wouldn't care to um
5: raise the limit
1: I have no objection to proposing that legal c'est to get
2: me it's an idea at that
1: Excuse <laughs> me. thank you Andre I must pass the shoe change I hope you'll forgive me but it's most important thank you
2: have those changed will you bad you have to go. Just as things were getting interesting.
1: Yes. Tell me, Miss Strange, do you play any other games? I mean, uh, besides Shaman Defar.
5: Hmm, golf? Amongst other things.
1: More afternoon then?
0: Tomorrow? See
1: you now. And uh, we could have dinner afterwards, perhaps?
0: Sounds tempting.
5: May I, um, let you know in the morning?
1: Splendid. My number's on the card.
3: Connery would play James Bond a total of seven times. Between 1962 and 1983. Other notable roles for Sean Connery included films like Murder on the Orient Express, A Bridge Too Far, Highlander, and The Untouchables. Sean Connery was offered and accepted and was officially cast to play the role of Henry Jones Sr. Junior?
1: Yes, sir. It is you, Junior. Don't call me that, please. Well, what are you doing here? I came to get you. What do you think? 14th century Ming Dynasty. Oh, it breaks the heart and the head. You hit dead. I'll never forgive myself. Don't worry, I'm fine. Thank God. (laughs) It's fake. See, you can tell with the cross sections. No! Dad, get your stuff. We gotta get out of here. I'm sorry about your head, though. But I thought you were one of them. Yeah, they come in through the doors. (laughs) Good point. But better safe than sorry. So I was wrong this time. But by God, I wasn't wrong when I mailed you my diary. (laughs) You obviously got it. I got it, and I used it. We found the entrance to the catacombs. Through the library? Right. the tomb of sir richard found it he was actually there you saw him well what was left of him and his shield the inscription on sir richard's shield alexandretta alexandretta of course (sighs) on the pilgrim trail from eastern empire Junior, you did it. No, Dad, you did. Forty years. If only I could have been with you. There were rats, Dad. Rats? Yeah, big ones. What do the Nazis want with you, Dad? They wanted my diary. Yeah. I knew I had to get that book as far away from me as I possibly could. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I will take the book now. What What book? You have the diary in your pocket. (laughs) You don't. Do you think my son would be that stupid that he would bring my diary all the way back here? (laughs) You didn't, did you? You didn't bring it, did you? Well, you did. Look, can we we'll discuss this later? I should have mailed it to the Marx brothers. Well, you take it easy. Take it easy? Why do you think I sent it home in the first place so it wouldn't fall into their hands? I came here to save you. Oh, yeah? And who's going to come to save you, Junior? I told you. Don't call me Junior.
3: Now, there was another role that needed to be cast that was going to take a lot of careful consideration. In the finished script for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the opening sequence takes place while Indy is a teenager. Harrison Ford was the first to recommend an up-and-coming actor by the name of River Phoenix for the part. The two had previously worked together, like I mentioned, in The Mosquito Coast, in which River Phoenix plays the son of Harrison Ford's character. River Phoenix was born August 23, 1970 in Oregon. Now, To say that River had an unusual childhood would be putting it mildly. His parents met in 1968 while his mother was hitchhiking. River's father, John, picked up his mother and the two headed to Oregon, where they worked on a peppermint farm in exchange for free room and board. This, of course, was the late 1960s, and his parents were heavy into the hippie lifestyle. Shortly after River was born in 1970 his parents joined a religious cult known as the Children of God. Now the Children of God was a sort of a unique religious cult in in the sense that it was a hybrid of both the hippie and Christian ideologies. They were sort of all merged into one. River's parents would have four more children in the 1970s and by 1977 the family which had spent the majority of the decade traveling around the country literally street performing for money, found themselves living in a church in Caracas, Venezuela. They would perform weekly at the church in exchange for room and board. Now. By the end of 77, the Phoenix family desperately wanted to get back to the United States, but they had no money. Eventually, the priest in the church in Caracas, where they were staying, was able to arrange passage aboard a ship to Florida. Now, when I say passage, what I really mean is smuggled. They were actually smuggled aboard a tanker ship bound for Florida. They wound up living in Florida in 1978, stayed there for a little while, and eventually made their way out west to Los Angeles, where the family continued to do what they do best perform music on the street for money. This is where the children were discovered by a talent agent. It didn't take long before all the children were signed to talent deals, with different studios river began acting in commercials and in small parts in children's television before eventually landing his first major motion picture in 1985's joe dante directed film the explorers now made on a 20 million dollar budget explorers only brought in 10 million dollars at the box office but many cite rivers performance as wolfgang Malyer as the standout performance of the film the following year in 1986 river phoenix was offered the role of chris chambers in stand by me a film directed by rob reiner based on the short story by Stephen King.
2: No one even asked me if I took the milk money that time. I just got a three-day vacation. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Even Vern knew it, I think. Maybe I was sorry and I tried to give it back tried to give it back maybe just maybe and maybe i took it to old lady simon's and told her and the money was all there but i still got a three-day vacation because it never showed up and maybe the next week old lady simon's had this brand new sugar on when she came to school yeah yeah it was brown and had dots on it yeah so let's just say that i stole the milk money but old lady simon stole it back from me just suppose that I told the story. Me, Chris Chambers, kid brother to eyeball Chambers. Do you think that anyone would have believed it? No. Oh. And do you think that that bitch would have dared tried something like that if it had been one of those douchebags from up on The View if they had taken the money? No way. Hell no. But with me? Well, I'm sure she had her eye on that skirt for a long time. Anyway, she saw her chance and she took it. I was the stupid one for even trying to give it back.
3: Now, Stand By Me was made on a budget of only $8 million and took in $52 million at the box office. Again, with most citing Phoenix's performance as the standout role in a film full of standout performances. Phoenix would do four more films, The Mosquito Coast, A Night in the Life of Jimmy Raritan, Little Nikita, and Running on Empty before landing the role of young Indiana Jones. Other newcomers to the franchise included actress Alison Doty, who played Dr. Elsa Schneider. Now, she was born in Dublin, Ireland, and she was only 21 years old when she auditioned for the part. Interestingly, she was the first person to audition for that role.
5: Don't look at me like that.
2: We both wanted the grail. I would have done anything to get it. You
1: would have done the same. I'm sorry you think so.
2: I can't forget how wonderful it was.
1: Thank you. It was rather wonderful. Doctor Snyder, your, your car is That's how Austrians say goodbye. This is how we say goodbye in Germany, Dr. Jones.
3: Delholm Elliott once again returned to play Dr. Marcus Brody. Now, Brody was noticeably absent from the second Indiana Jones film and has a substantially larger part to play in the third Indiana Jones film.
1: Your father and I have been friends since time began. I watched you grow up, Indy. I've watched the two of you grow apart. I've never seen you this concerned about him before. Dad, he's an academic, bookworm. Not a him. Dad, Dad. Yes, God. It's the old fool. Got himself into now. I don't know. Whatever it is, he's in over his head. Dad, it's today's mail it's been opened that's it Marcus Venice Italy what is it it's dad's grail diary every clue he followed every discovery he made complete record of his search for the holy grail his whole life why would he have sent this to me i don't know someone must want it pretty badly search for the cup of christ is the search for the divine
4: in all of us but if you want facts india i've none to give you my age i'm prepared to take a few things on faith
1: call donovan marcus tell him i'll take that ticket to venice now i'll tell him we'll take two
3: julian glover plays walter donovan the man obsessed with seeking immortality. Glover had a very small role in The Empire Strikes Back, and he's actually British, and pulls off a very convincing American accent.
1: I trust your trip down was comfortable, Dr. Jones. Uh, My men didn't alarm you, I hope. My name is Donovan, Walter Donovan. I know who you are, Mr. Donovan. Your contributions to the museum over the years have been extremely generous. Some of the pieces in your collection here are very impressive. Well, like yourself, Dr. Jones, I have a passion for antiquities. Have a look over here. This might interest you. Well, it's sandstone, Christian symbol, early Latin text, mid-12th century, I should think. That was our assessment as well. Where'd this come from? My engineers unearthed it in the mountain region north of Ankara while excavating the copper. Can you translate the inscription? Quiz, quiz, aquam, who drinks the water I shall give him, says the Lord, will have a spring inside him welling up for eternal life. Let them bring me to your holy mountain in the place where you dwell, across the desert. And through the mountain to the canyon of the crescent moon to the temple where the cup that where the cup that holds the blood of Jesus Christ resides forever the holy grail dr jones the chalice used by christ during the last supper the cup that caught his blood at the crucifixion and was entrusted to joseph of arimathea the arthur legend i've heard this bedtime story before eternal life dr jones the gift of youth to whoever drinks from the grail (laughs) now that's a bedtime story i'd like to wake up to an old man's dream every man's dream including your father's i believe
3: Producer Robert Watts was once again brought on to helm and oversee production for the third Indiana Jones film. Now, with Temple of Doom being a much more contained story, very few locations were used. Sri Lanka and L Street Studios in England were pretty much the predominant areas that were used to film Temple of Doom. For The Last Crusade, once again, it was time to go globetrotting. On-locations shooting included filming in Jordan, Venice, Italy where where Robert Watts was able to secure the Grand Canal of Venice for filming, something that had almost never been done before. Now the opening prologue of the film, now on screen it will say Utah but that was actually Colorado. The motorcycle chase scene was actually shot near Skywalker Ranch in California but interestingly, some of the most iconic scenes in the film were actually shot at L Street Studios in England, including the scenes involving the Zeppelin, the library in Venice, the catacombs in Venice, and a good portion of the motorboat chase scene. In Raiders of the Lost Ark, there was a scene involving thousands of snakes. In Temple of Doom, there was a scene involving thousands of bugs. Not to be outdone, in the third Indiana Jones film, there's a scene that called for thousands of rats. Now, specifically, the scene I'm talking about takes place in the Catacombs of Venice. Now, I remind you that this was pre-CGI days, but you just couldn't gather a 1,000 or 2,000 rats. I mean, they carry diseases. And I don't even want to get into the history of the plague. That's a story for an entirely different type of podcast. But what I found interesting about that particular scene involving the rats was that they hired a special rat breeder, who over the course of several months bred a little more than 2,000 rats that were used to shoot that scene. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was slated for a summer 1989 release. 1989 was... Quite the year for sequels. Not only did we get Ghostbusters 2, but also the long-awaited sequel to Back to the Future. When The Last Crusade was released on May 24th, 1989, it earned close to $30 million its opening weekend. Now, that represented the third-highest opening weekend box office of that year, only behind Ghostbusters 2 and Tim Burton's Batman. But eventually, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade would go on to become the highest-grossing film worldwide in 1989. But what did critics and audiences think of the third film? Now, side note, this film was rated PG-13. If you recall, in our last episode, it was Temple of Doom that was partially responsible for the creation of the PG-13 rating. For critics, well... They were overwhelmingly positive for the film. I say positive because the general consensus amongst most film critics was that it was a better film than Temple of Doom, but still an inferior film to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Last Crusade currently sits with an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and a score of 80 on Metacritic.
2: Dr. Jones? Yes. I knew it
1: was you. You have your father's eyes.
5: And my mother's ears, but the rest belongs to you.
4: Indiana Jones is in search of the Holy Grail, and he's also trying to rescue his kidnapped father in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's one of five new movies we'll be reviewing this week on Siskel and Ebert, and I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times.
5: And I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. Our first film is the third and last Indiana Jones adventure. And although this production is exceedingly well made, save for a rousing ending, I wanted more. More humanity, more wit, more laughs. More of a film like the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. In Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Harrison Ford meets a beautiful Austrian archaeologist who helps him look for clues in the rat-infested catacombs of Venice for the location of the Holy Grail. The legendary cup Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. What's that?
1: It's a rubbing. Dad's made of the grill tablet.
2: Just like your father. Kitty is a schoolboy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were here now to see this? <laughs>
1: would have made it past the rats he hates rats he's scared to death of them
5: the most important character introduced in this film is indiana's archaeologist father played by sean connery he's yes. been captured by the nazis who also want to find the holy grail like the other films in this series action is everywhere as indiana tries to rescue his father and a colleague played by dead Elliott. elliot what's good about the film very good is its slam bang ending that takes time to question what's more important objects or a family What is so-so about the movie is its machine-like march through Nazi lairs and caves in the hunt for the Holy Grail. None of it is bad, it's just of a piece thunderous to the point of pushing one away from the screen. And I didn't believe the father-son relationship between Connery and Ford. I just saw two good actors occupying the same space next to each other. So are you voting thumbs down? Yeah, reluctantly. Because I am.
4: I'm voting thumbs up. I enjoyed it. One thing I will agree with you, though, is that the plots are very similar between this one and the first one. Mm-hmm. Remember in the first one, the Nazis were after the Ark of the Covenant. Right. This time they're after the Holy Grail. Right.
5: And uh You didn't get tired at all when they were just going through the story. Didn't you think, gee, I've been through this before, uh, well, it's a I'm, little she, loud. No, no, I didn't and
4: I'll tell you why. You've got to realize this is the third in the series. Maybe Spielberg is wise to end it at this point because We are now familiar essentially with what we can expect, strange locations, uh, unbelievable adventures. Snakes and rats. uh, Snakes and rats and so forth. I did enjoy a lot of the art direction, especially that wonderful dirigible and the way it looked and the way the plane took off from underneath it. I thought that was terrific. I liked the look of Venice and the look of those catacombs. Do you
5: remember your reaction, though, to the first one? The first one was
4: absolutely smashing. It was a great film, but it was also a new film.
5: A new character. It was
4: a film. new. It was a new film in the sense that I hadn't seen that energy level before. Right. I hadn't seen that technical level before. I hadn't right. seen Harrison Ford in that role before. And I felt there's no way all. that
5: Spielberg can win with this one. I think it's a very good film. Well, I, I felt like I had seen it before, and I didn't. Did you really believe they were father and son? I, you know, I, I did Gene, I don't. Earlier, you were saying
4: the film didn't have enough humanity. I don't go to an Indiana Jones film for humanity. I don't go to an Indiana Jones well, I mean, film for but, convincing father-son relationships. But if it I go for if it, action and stunts. I thought that, that, that Connery had a couple of good lines in which he was trying to, to,
5: to be it's strict just to just It's just not as strong as I expected it to be.
3: Now, as for my thoughts on the film... This is my favorite of all four Indiana Jones films. This is, I think, the most well-balanced of all the movies. I think the pacing is just right. I love the chemistry between Ford and Connery. And for my money, this film has some of the best action set pieces, from the opening escape on the train, the fantastic motorboat chase through the Grand Canals of Venice, the motorcycle chase, the Zeppelin scene, the biplane scene, the tank scene. I mean, I can go on and on. I really do like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I think there are things to really like about Temple of Doom. But for my money, The Last Crusade is the best Indiana Jones film, period. Period. Now, in the next episode, we're going to go over the careers of George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Harrison Ford in the 90s and the early 2000s. And I think you're going to be quite surprised when you find out who was the one initially responsible for getting the fourth Indiana Jones film off the ground. Oh, yeah. And we'll discuss CGI monkeys. CGI monkeys, man. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for all of your support.
1: Guten Tag. Herr Jones. I'll my hair back. Tickets, please. Boss. No ticket.
0: The How is This Movie Podcast is produced by Dana Buckler for Hidden Productions located in Ocala, Florida. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at How is This Movie, like our Facebook page at facebook.com/slash how is this movie. Of course, you can always email the show with questions or comments at hitm podcast at gmail.com. And finally, to become a monthly supporter of this podcast and gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else, go to patreon.com/slash how is this movie. You'll find 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 all the links to our social media in this episode's show notes.